This is Van Welk, the Ghost. This episode, Sex Addiction is No Lie, Peg Gets Real. So we've been talking about uh, Josephine Electric as uh, the other me. She is um, a creation of my um, synthesis experiments. And, um, you know, she has been um, a way for me to release my my fantasies and my alternate reality as, you know, finding um, the female part of my personality. Um, it was kind of an accident that I found her voice through the JDXI. Uh, I'd written a lot of poetry and created characters that are part of this um, short story I wrote back when I was in college. Um, but the route to, like, Josephine has always been that I've had you know, an issue with like sex addiction and um, Josephine has kind of represented uh, th- that part of my personality and been able to kind of mask it in her character and, you know, have her do all this outrageous stuff. Um, but what's really, you know, true is, you know, when you have uh, an addictive personality and you sometimes, um you know, do harm to yourself, you do harm to other people uh, in terms of the the sociology of it, because, uh, um, you know, if you're an alcoholic, uh, you usually, you know, you end up hurting yourself or hurting the other people. If you're a sex addict, your addiction uh, makes you um, just caught up in, 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 the, in the fury of the addiction and you don't um, pay attention to how it affects other people. So we're getting real with this particular situation and, uh, we're looking for, uh, <clears throat> you know, therapy groups and looking into it and uh, trying to move forward. You know, it's one day at a time. It's like a 12-step program for anybody. And it's a real issue in America with, you know, it's porn addiction. There's, you know, casual sex addiction. There's all kinds of things that you can get caught up into that don't, like, show you the light in life. And you've got to find a way to get back to your true self and... That's what we're always trying to do with our music. We try to do that with our art. This particular song was created um, using um, the morphogen from Make Noise, where we um, recited some poetry we were working on to get into this concept or this this issue of a sexual addiction. So we wrote some lines of poetry. We recited them into... Uh, Anchor FM, actually, and then we recorded it into <clears throat> the Morphogen, which is a, a sampler, a Eurorack sampler. And then we did some morphing and phase shifting to uh, have a couple of splices actually kind of co-mingle and then brought the, <clears throat> the actual tone down to a lower um, octave to get the kind of phantom voice that we usually don't use. And then we uh, overdubbed Josephine Electric's voice um, into the um, actual track. And uh, the primary track was some um, Moog experimentation uh, and some also, and when we talk about Moog experimentation, there was the use of the Mother 32 and the drummer from Another Mother, which are Eurorack semi-modular synths. Use that to create this kind of um, I would say it's like, like a dirge uh, uh, loop 
analog loop. And, uh, and then we played manually on the Mother 32 uh, via a Juno GI <clears throat> to get some flavor on it. And then in the background, we also have a System 1M from Moog. No, no, from Roland. <laughs> Excuse me. And so, yeah, it's just an interesting track. Um, and the Morphogene, you know, it really adds a lot to it. And then the Josephine Electric Vocal. So it's about a six-track um, experiment. And we we feel it's really uh, unique in what we've done before. I would say maybe um, the um, flower, the flower that blooms at midnight in the tomb had some stuff that was kind of going this way, but maybe Dark Ghost, the original Dark Ghost, Spider Puppet on um, SoundCloud. It's probably closer with um, this track. If um, love has no ceiling, why is my heart on the floor? Which was a real first appearance of the morphogene in our music and we like to use it uh, to create uh, kind of in the ditch type of songs and what we mean by that is like Neil Young we talked about tonight's the night and time fades away and on the beach he called it the ditch trilogy he had just come off doing um, Harvest which was like a Nashville heavy studio musician type of uh, effort that was very much into perfection, sonic perfection, and you know tightness in the mix and in the composition. Where Crazy Horse is a lot looser, it's more jazz, it's more fusion, more jam band, to the point of almost falling apart. You kind of say it's got a lot in common with Velvet Underground, White Light, White Heat, Big Stars Third, uh, those kind of albums that kind of show uh, a rawness in the in the in the you know an honesty in the music to be willing to put out the imperfections because sometimes the imperfections are beautiful and they tell a story that sometimes if you go back and try to make something perfect, which I think is a criticism of the, of the DAW and, and the problem with the digital audio workstation is everybody makes this perfect mix that then becomes um, kind of oppressive. Uh, it doesn't allow for you to be, musicians like I was talking to some musicians and they once you get on your um your dog controlling the show to connect with your lights you're kind of stuck in the structure of the composition I mean there are things you can do where you can you know do some solos but you're kind of stuck on a on a on a train and either you know and I would like to you know another example of that is when the Eagles used to do the, the um the, the Hotel California, they kind of put themselves on a manual DAW where they they purposely wanted to do the, the Hotel California concerts exactly as they were on record, which was kind of mind-numbing for the band and was very stressful to the band because then they didn't have, they couldn't enjoy themselves. You know, the difference would be like if you go see the band or the Grateful Dead or Dylan, he has a lot of fun in rearranging his lyrics you know, changing lyrics, doing different variations of songs. Uh, and I think that's part of being a musician is like every time you go out and you do your song, I mean, you try to give the fans what they want, but you also try to give yourself what you want. And you you interpret your song based on how you're feeling that day. And I think the audience, um, I think when they realize, you know, that you know they they can receive and give as much as the musician does when when you realize that that an artist is gonna you know 
be a better artist if they can be free in the way that they 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 write. You know, but if you're dealing with top forty, top ten, people are kind of stuck with giving you exactly what you heard on the on the album. When you get to the bottom hundred, you get the indie rock and indie bands. People are more willing to uh, listen to a band kind of stretch out. And it was expected when you listen to it, like bands like the Allman Brothers or uh, Eric Clapton, or even Prince. I mean, I've seen Prince. He used to reinterpret Kiss, you know, his famous song. He never played it like the studio version ever. He never actually played it that way. He'd like to reinterpret his songs and, and actually play them differently, which I appreciate because I don't necessarily need to hear it like it's on record because I can just go listen to it on record. If I go see him, I want to see a, a variation, which, you know, I, I, I don't, some music fans, you wonder if they're music fans or they're just kind of like hipster fans that just want to be in on what's popular. And then what happens is like once the artist doesn't do what they expect, then they kind of drop them. I have a tendency to follow artists through their whole career and like the changes they go through. Because it's like every person is a human being, and as you see an artist develop, they'll go through phases. And those phases, to me, are interesting. It's like REM's IRS years versus their Warner Brother years. And then when they went to Monster, like this idea that they wanted to get really heavy. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting that the new Monster um, compilation came out. It's very expensive, though. It's like 75 bucks. But... Um, you know, it, it's a point in time. I would say the um, Life's Rich pageant, I thought, was pretty hard in the, during the IRS years. I think I like that style. I think Monster tries to get to that. Um, but I think Life's Rich pageant is probably more pure uh, expression of that kind of power without being blatantly saying, oh, this is our power chord album. Um, it kind of does it without saying it. Um, but, you know, this is how we, 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 we evolve. We've been evolving as a band since we brought in Josephine. Uh, we've kind of dived into the darkness of uh, sexuality and a lot of our songs. We also get into political electronic music. We get into like uh, just freeform concert type stuff with our latest release, The Barmaid, uh, The Bard and the Barmaid Fucks. And uh, you can see that out there on our link and our hard uh, physical hard copy album on the flower that blooms at midnight in the tomb is available on amazon.com so if you're a band and you like um, what we're doing you want to be interviewed uh, please contact us through um, our Facebook at Phantom Electric Ghost and that's at Phantom Electric Ghost sends the direct message or use the anchor voice memo system and we can book um, we're booking for December and going into 2020. So if you like what we're doing, also, if you um, appreciate what we're doing here, check out the um, supporter links. You can support us at 99 cents, 4.99 and 9.99. And we also have a Patreon if you want to support us there. If you do support us at any level that reaches uh, at least $20, uh, we will send you a copy of The Flower That Blooms at Midnight at the Tomb on Amazon.com if you send us your information. Thank you. Wave.